welcome to episode 215 of the Customer Support Leaders Podcast. I'm Charlotte Ward. The theme for this week is knowledge management, so stay tuned for five leaders talking about that very topic. I'd like to welcome back to the podcast today, Craig Stoss. Craig, lovely to have you back. This week, we are talking about the hot topic in my life right now. And so I'm very excited to talk about it with you, who I know has some strong feelings and a lot of experience in this area as well. <laughs> and we've just been having a chuckle. It's true. Um, knowledge management, knowledge management in support. So it's a, it's a challenge, isn't it? And it's so necessary. I think I think that's exactly it. It's it's necessary, and and to to try to sell the concept, it just seems such no brainer. I mean, I don't have the metrics off the top of my head, but I mean, there, there's metrics everywhere that say people want to self service. I mean, as a consumer, think about any the last time you had a problem with any product, be it software, hardware. The first thing you do is, oh my my blender engine won't run. Is there a quick fix for it? Or my monitor won't turn on. How do I you know how do I fix it? Or everything the first thing you do is search for it and it's just an instinct now that we grew up in the the age of of the internet the age of the searchable internet and i i don't know why it takes so long to sell some people on this concept but that's what your customers want and 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 the numbers are staggering i've seen metrics uh, from articles that i've written that range from 70 to 90% of people are demanding self service and the simplest way to do that is knowledge management so necessary to me is the the key word. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, there's so many perspectives on it and so many metrics as you just like, we could, we could literally spend the next 10 minutes just bouncing around metrics. I'll I'll get, I'll give you some actually that are um, perhaps slightly controversially less customer focused (laughs) because I happen to have some right here. Who knew? Right handy. Um, Um, 50 to 60, these are all, I should say, from the KCS, the Knowledge Center Support Practices Guide. Um, 50 to 60% improved time to resolution. How's that? Boom. Harvey resolution uh, time. Uh, this one is always one that that is interesting to me when people talk about improved resolution time. I, I don't know how you improve the resolution time of something that shouldn't even come to you in the first place, right? So you know, there's kind of two concepts of, of knowledge management in general. Like, I mean, there's tons of them, but there's two that I, I kind of focus on. There's helping your agents answer questions fast. That's there's products like Guru, for example, that are really good at embedding themselves mm. directly inside your your uh, your ticket management tool. And the ticket comes in, it does some smart things, and it says, "Here's how to answer the ticket." Uh, and then there's the outward facing things, the more traditional help desks. You know, you see with with Zendesk has one built in and Freshworks and, and, and all the ticket managers who will see these days to have their own knowledge management system that, that are public, customer facing, and, and meant to just stop the ticket from even coming to you. Um, so when I hear a metric like that, I, I think, okay, well, that's great. And, and, and so reducing time is an awesome metric, and we all want to make sure that we're yeah. solving our customers' fat tickets faster, but but they still had to contact you. And, and so is that what is that okay in your business? Um and that's yeah. the thing that I think about when I hear that metric. I, I think that metric probably, you know, simple metrics like that. TTR is is such a, a face value metric. You look at what comes in and how quickly on average you resolved it. And I think that my reading between the lines on that improved 
time to re- resolution through a, a decent knowledge management practice is is that it, it it takes all of those things you just talked about into account. Those are all factors in that reduced TTR, I think. I think it's customers are contacting you less, so you have probably, um, you know, some portion of of tickets taken away. So that's work taken away, which is going to affect for the, in one direction or other your TTR. Um, secondly, I don't think there is such a clear division between internal and external knowledge in the sense of, I, I, I get what you're saying about like they're surfaced in different ways, but I think it's the same knowledge. Obviously, your internal knowledge is going to be greater, but but I think that improved TTR is also in surfacing the knowledge to your agents in the moment, allowing them to respond quicker. But it's also uh, definitely in just, frankly, reducing the workhorse nature of having to type out every single response every yeah. time, right? Yeah, yeah it, it definitely cuts out in the, the custom messaging and, and the the you know, accidental swapping of two steps or something, you know, when, when you have a reviewed and, and uh, validated article available. Um, you know, it's, it's, it also very much depends on the type of support you do, right? And, you know, I would argue um, for, for true technical support when you're doing like log analysis or code analysis or things like that, um, your TTR might, TTR might actually go up uh, when you have a knowledge base, because if you have a knowledge management system that that handles, you know, whatever the repeatable questions are in your world, so password changes or, you know, how to how to accomplish certain use cases, and you get rid of all of the easy stuff, all of the mm. quick, you know, five second, I know these off by heart answers, all that's left is those more deeply technical problems. And so therefore, on average, your TTR might actually go up because you're trying to, you know, resolve a ticket that is fundamentally harder to, to solve. And so, um, you know, I think your, your point about the same knowledge is, is, is also roughly how people use it, but I don't think that's how it's intended in some cases, right? There are tools mm. that I think are intended to be internal sure. guidance for your agents. Like these are the things, you know, when something of this topic comes in, these are the things uh, to be conscious of. These are maybe the questions to ask. These are the, you know, these are the do's and don'ts, mm. or these are the available options to you. And it and that's stuff that you probably wouldn't present as a list of if A, then B, then C, or maybe mm. D, or you wouldn't present that to a, a public facing. Now they're they're used interchangeably all the time. Um, so I don't know. It's it's an interesting thing about how you use knowledge. Um, I'm a big fan of the knowledge being identical with maybe some internal notes that say like here are the do's and don'ts and things to be conscious of but when you're reading the same script as a customer and they have a problem you can you can actually see eye to eye what with what they're reading as opposed to having like an internal version and an external version yeah yeah um, yeah you know internal people just need more context maybe yeah i i think i think i think the internal um layer is that it it's it's stuff that helps your team interpret at greater depth what you present to a customer right or and maybe enables them to take actions that the customer doesn't have any ability to take either you know particularly in right. deeply technical support so there's definitely a a layer of knowledge that's internal only. And of course, let's not forget, you can house things in a knowledge base that aren't just customer or product knowledge. You can house 
your operational knowledge and everything else in there as well. So there's always a component, I think, of of internal knowledge, right? And I would absolutely encourage that, right? I mean, having multiple systems that store different types of knowledge is just, you're going to have duplicate knowledge. You're going to have differing knowledge. You're going to have one team Mm -hmm. using one set of data or one set of information, another team using a different set of information. A single source of truth is, is vital, or at least something that that overhangs them all and, and you search on a global basis, like some some tools exist that do that and aggregate your information. But yeah, a single source of truth is so, so vital. Um, you know, it's, we're dealing, I'm dealing with that right now um, in my, in my work in the sense that uh, there is uh, people, there are people that are storing common answers kind of in a Google doc on their, on their desktop, you know, in their own environment and they're just copy pasting their responses. Well, then the problem is using that as opposed to either an external knowledge base or a built-in macro, which is a type of knowledge, you know, uh, causes a disconnect. Because if that knowledge changes and your your personal macro, the thing you you stored yourself, doesn't change, then you're sending outdated information to a to a customer. And so, um, you know, we don't want that fractured knowledge inside any environment. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, you said a, a really interesting thing there that, you know, a macro is knowledge. And I think that just to broaden that, um, processes are knowledge, operations are knowledge, documentation is knowledge, knowledge-based articles are knowledge. What's in your people's Evernotes or OneNotes or Heads is knowledge, isn't it? Or Confluence or Jira or any of these places. So, so I guess knowledge management under that, um, like when you think of that sphere, is a huge thing, um, and I guess you just have to start somewhere. But but I guess one thing that I, I've always always been conscious of as well is thinking about knowledge as two things. It's all of those things, and yet in also also in a support environment, it's quite specifically often we're just talking about the knowledge base, aren't we? What's what's what in your mind is, for instance, is there even a distinction between a knowledge base and either all of those knowledge pieces or a knowledge base and maybe documentation, for instance? It's, um, that's a, that's a really good question. Cause I just actually was look, reading about this the other day. So, um, my, my gut is that the storage of knowledge, whatever that, that portal or, or software, whatever it is you use to do that is the same. So, so I think that the tool should be the same, but the types of knowledge are different, right? There's, there's kind of, uh, and I forget the exact names of these, but there's, there's like knowledge that's just factual, you know, the system does X, you know, roses are red, you know, those types of things that, you know, that they're, they're very factual. Um, then there are thing, there's a type of knowledge that is the combination of those factual things into knowledge that is something that's, that's learned or studied or solving a use case. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's, then there's like this experience knowledge of, of taking the, the, the middle pit of knowledge and taking that experience and, and using that to the best of the ability, fine tuning it, making it your own. Um, the, the analogy I use is that, you know, the factual knowledge is knowing what an apple is, what cinnamon is, what sugar is, you know, intrinsic knowledge is knowing that you can combine those to make some, you know, a nice pie. And then experiential knowledge is knowing the exact amounts of all of those things, you know, that, that make your family drool and, and request more. Right. And, um, and, and the thing that that's really important there is um, the factual knowledge bit is how I think docs used to be written. Right. You know, you remember back in the day, you used to get a cell phone and you used to open the box and then right at the top was a, was a huge thick manual. And it would say, 
this button, you know, this button does this and this button does that. And this button does the third mm. thing. Um, you know, we don't have that anymore because I think it's become very commonplace and the, and the technology has become more intuitive. But now we're focused on the use case knowledge, right? We want to know, I want to solve this business problem or this personal problem. And I wanted something to tell me how to do that. And so the articles are now laid out in such a way, or they should be laid out in such a way where it's like, here's, you know, how do you solve use case X? Here's the, the you know, here's how to solve use case X using these five pieces of factual knowledge. And here's links to like those descriptions, but you don't, you don't need to know that you're not going to read it the other way around. You're not going to read those five factual knowledges and be like, ah, oh, I know how to do use case X. It's, it's not, <laughs> it doesn't work the other way. Yeah, and yeah. then the experience comes, you know, it's very personal again, very, very, uh, very custom for each, each individual or business. And so that's something that's incredibly hard to document. That's your white papers and your, and things like that, that are, you know, a bit more in depth or your consultative uh, practices that, but again, more knowledge. So I, 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 I like to live in that middle bit and, and to yeah. your, to your original question, sorry, I, I keep interrupting you. <laughs> Uh, but the to your middle bit there, or to your original question, it's like that middle bit. If you take that and you make that as part of your central knowledge base, that helps everyone. That helps support. That helps your customers. I think. I think I'm with you. I, I think. I think what you're referring to is the that pyramid, isn't it? That um, DIKW, the data, information, knowledge, and wisdom. Wisdom being like, that like the pin, pinnacle of like applied knowledge, like yeah, this is how I, ta- how I take everything that I've learned and can apply it to this specific situation. But I think I think you're right. I think the the middle bit somewhere is where we mostly inhabit, and um, I, I think that that is ripe for like evolution as well, isn't it? It's a very living place to be. It's not just signals. It's it's like constantly evolving at a micro level what this means all the time which yeah. is really how our customers approach our products as you said now and and the thing is the other thing that i, I it's interesting to me and technology is starting to advance to allow it is google is actually a really good example of this their knowledge base will figure out who you're logged in as if assuming you use g suite services in your company and will actually present you different information based on who you are and i i remember doing this just at a previous company where I went to a Google doc because something wasn't working or sorry, Google knowledge base because something wasn't working. And it said right at the top, you know, uh, Craig Stoss, you, you don't have the available permission to do this thing. So here's the mm. article, but just know that if you want to do this, you have to contact someone with this permission. And I was like, that's powerful, right? Mm. Presenting the context. So, so the user knows, like, I mean, how many times have you done that? Read an, an article for something online go to do it. It's like, oh, click the, the profile button. You're like, there is no profile button. Now you have to figure out why there's no profile button. But if you just say, hey, Charlotte, you're not going to see the profile button because your permissions don't allow you to see it. Well, now your your, your, your next issue avoidance is kicked in, which again is another type of knowledge we can talk about. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, maybe even more powerfully, you don't have that, but here's the premium service. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we'll sell it to you. <laughs> we'll sell it. We'll sell it to you. <laughs> Always be selling, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think like this for me is the, the final bit of um, the value of knowledge, like just thinking about the value of knowledge, um, not just in that improved customer experience it is the value to the business, isn't it? It's it's getting to know your customers more. It's understanding because we can draw analytics from it in the same way we can draw analytics from 
all of our tickets? You know, what are customers searching for? How are they interacting with our knowledge? What are they really using? Um, and that's probably that's probably as informative as what they are typing out in the help center field, just you know, problem description to you, right? You need to learn about your audience, right? And and so again, this one I use car maintenance because that's something that I'm completely awful at. And I go into a mechanic shop and I don't say, you know, the, the the head gasket of my engine needs to be replaced, right? I go into my mechanic shop and I say, there's a rattly noise in my engine, you know, or you know, that's how because that's all I know how to describe it. And so if you're running a knowledge base system for, or, or a knowledge portal for a mechanic shop, you know, the title of the article or the keywords of that article shouldn't be, you know, um, you know, my, my head gasket needs replacement. What do I do? It should be like, my engine has a rattly noise. And then here's a bunch of things to mm, check to determine yeah. what, what specific thing you want. Right. And, and, you know, is that how your customers talk? What's the, I was worked at a company where some of our terms were very overloaded. The word project could mean one of many different things. Mm. Um, and depending on your industry, you might not even call it a project. You might call it a program. And, and so how do you keyword your knowledge base to make sure that your users uh, are getting the, the, the value that you want within the words that they would expect to get it. And that, that is I mean, that's the holy grail of, of things like natural language processing is can you make enough smart connections to 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 um, to bring all that right information to the to the customer? And so, mm. yeah, to me, it's customer voice. It's it's the, the value is in providing the information in the customer's voice. That's a KCS principle. Uh, you mentioned that. It earlier. is. And, yeah. and it's to me, it's one of the most fundamental ones and using analytics and data to do that is, is super important. Mm, mm, yeah, yeah, um, exactly that. So you sur- Surfacing knowledge in terms that the customer is searching for that knowledge. Um, and that is never going to be the way that anyone writes their documentation. And, and I think that's why the knowledge base as I would kind of compartmentalize that support created knowledge is 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 really it's it builds fast because your your agents your engineers talk to your customers in the voice the customers want to talk you to talk to them all the time so they're not crafting this from a a blank page ready for you know to create section 1.4.7.2 of the documentation (laughs) the how to you know the full like you know config settings list for this bit of the product but but it is a case of you know let me tell you what we can do about that rattly sound (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. it's um it's just so it's it and that it goes back to our original point like Convincing people to do knowledge should be the easy part. Doing the knowledge should be the hard part. And honestly, I find it the exact opposite in most companies. And, and you know, the convincing, it takes forever to get the budget to buy a tool. You know, well, who's going to do it and how are we going to pay it? And what's the headcount increase to do to do mm. this exercise? How do you, how do you, uh, you know, I was talking to someone recently who had to do this in three languages because their, co- their company sold to three different, and it was like, well, how do we add, you know, what's the overhead of that? And, and you solve all the, you, you know, you to talk forever on those projects when, like you said, your your agents do this every day. They just don't put it into a system. They put it into an email or they put it into a Google Doc or they put they write it on a notepad or a whiteboard. 
they, your team is already doing this. You're just not capturing it and you're wasting mm-hmm. effort. It's, 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 um, it's such a silly thing that, that, that we reverse the, the difficulties of these, these two things. Like it's, and I don't, I don't know the resistance. I don't understand the resistance. I've never been able to figure that piece out. Yeah. If you, wanna, if you figure it out, let me know and we'll, we'll write a book on it and be, get rich. Oh, <laughs> Please, please. <laughs> let's just let's just silo away how we did that. <laughs> no, I I think like the buy-in is really hard, particularly if you're in an environment where it's not been done before, or you know the the surrounding organization doesn't come from a place of like what seems to us to be obvious because we've been in this business a long time and we've done it and we've done it and we've done it. And, and I think that, um, I think that, you know, the final thing that I would say, you know, you talk there about getting money for tools and everything else. And I, I would frankly say, if you've got a help center, you've got it, haven't you? I mean, if you've got a Zendesk or a help scout or a whatever, you've got the beginnings, like all of these tools have, a basic kind of ability to hold knowledge and surface it to your customers. And I think for me, frankly, it's just a matter of getting going because um, I, I I just think like a lot of things I've found in support, um, they have a long lead time to value. And, you know, I think knowledge is just one of those things you'll, you can theorize as much as you like, but sometimes you just have to show and tell and say you know what we've been capturing and surfacing to our customers for six months and these are our findings yeah Uh, and i think i think that's the hardest the the hardest part of knowledge base is is just getting going and you know it's it's uh, i did a presentation on on quick starting a knowledge base several years ago and and i and i basically just put the two points on the board saying you know what do you need to document and where are you going to put it and and you know like it's that simple and and like you said if you Mm. have a tool that does it already um, and it, even if you don't, there's, there's again, share out some, something, you know, like use a, a, a Dropbox or a Google drive or something, uh, mm-hmm. but just capture it because honestly, like, as I said earlier, your team is already doing this. And so make it available, uh, you know, advertise it, make the knowledge base is just a, or the, 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 the place where it's looked at is just the storage facility you know, you can put the storage anywhere until you have a proper solution or you've got mm-hmm. the approvals or whatever. Um, but it does existing inside someone's, you know, email inbox or inside, you know, a Zendesk ticket that you'll never search is just not the right, the right place. And yeah. And so, yeah, your, your point is, is absolutely valid. Just literally just what do you want to document and where are you going to put it and, and answer those two questions. And, and, you know, my advice to any of the listeners would be just, just, just do it and and, yeah. and worry about the tool as a secondary thing if if that's what's holding you up. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, create the knowledge and and then I think stage two is use and review, use and review. I mean, good old-fashioned KCS, use, review, use, review, because that is the only way you're going to make sure that it continues to be successful. Yeah. Do it and keep it going. That's right. And and like you said, the value will, will come Yeah, for sure. Your customers will thank you. <laughs> very true. Very true. Well, in the meantime, I will thank you. Thank you so much for your time, Craig. It's been a pleasure to chat to you as always. Yes. Thanks, Charlotte. 
That's it for today. Go to customersupportleaders.com forward slash 215 for the show notes. And I'll see you next time. 